Let's head to Latin America, where Venezuelan secret service agents have raided the offices of the opposition leader Juan Godeo. Um, while he's visiting the United Kingdom, footage showed hooded and armed officers from the uh, service outside the building uh, in that part of the world. Uh, cowardly dictatorship, tweeted uh, Mr. Godeo, uh, who held talks with the Prime Minister Boris Johnson in London. Uh, President Nicolas uh, Maduro, who enjoys the support of the Venezuelan military in that part of the world, of course, has remained in power despite 50 countries, including the UK and the US, uh, recognising the leader of the opposition as the legitimate leader of Venezuela. Um, let's speak to uh, John Bonfiglio, our man in Latin America, on this one. John, hello there. Hey, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, the farce continues, doesn't it, John? What What was the intention of this raid? It really does. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's been an uneasy detente between Maduro and, and Guaido for for a little while now, where they've kind of been shouting at each other across different, uh, you know, media platforms and stuff, but nothing really major has has taken place, but it's definitely all ramped up over the course of the last few weeks. Um, and as you say, there's been some, whilst Guaido was out of town, uh, there's been some raids to his offices, um, and I think fast is the, exactly right, the right word to use, because his officers had nobody and nothing in them when the when the raid took place by the Secret Service. So part of the worry uh, was that stuff might be planted to incriminate uh, Guaido. It's by far, um, you know, no, in no way, shape or form, the only thing that, that's uh, taken place. Another kind of raising of the stakes in the recent past has been the beginnings of the um, arrests of some opposition politicians, kind of plainclothes, sort of civilian militants on the streets, attacking some opposition convoys, um, as well, and on the other side of the, on the flip side of the coin, this international series of visits which Guaido has been undertaking to uh, the European Union and, as you say, to the UK, but also to neighbouring Colombia, where he was basically had a state visit. So you know, really, um, OTT reception designed to antagonise Maduro and um, and the Venezuelan government, because essentially Van Duque, the current president of of Colombia, is very much uh, siding with the U.S. in this in this situation and is uh, an enemy of the, at the at the gates for sure. So uh, one of those situations currently where you know everything's multiplying and anything uh, could could happen on a on a day to day basis. Mm. What what other action has uh, Maduro been guided into up to this point, John? Well, a lot of the actions have kind of been um, third hand. So I think he's careful to not um, try and undertake direct actions because he knows that he doesn't have that much support and he doesn't want to antagonize the little support that he has. And, and interestingly, um, the likes of uh, Cuba previously, Evo Morales, before he was uh, you know, deposed, resigned with a coup, or you know, however you look at that, in, in Bolivia and, and a few others were kind of publicly on, on his side. But there's the beginnings of murmurings that he's kind of overplaying um, his hand there there as well. So largely it's kind of um, destabilization tactics, making things difficult for Guaido, but he's definitely not going in for the jugular because he feels uh, possibly correctly that actually that would invite a very serious series of uh, reactions from uh, potentially from international uh, players like, for example, you know, um, the US. And it's not just uh, Ivan Duque to, to the West in Colombia that is, is an antagonist. I mean, Bolsonaro uh, is also, Bolsonaro and Brazil, Joe Bolsonaro, the current president of, of Brazil, 
uh, also has a land border with with Venezuela. And, you know, from their side of the equation as well, their countries are being destabilized by the sheer, you know, by the vast um, number of people that are that are exiting and, and fleeing Venezuela to go to other countries. Often the whole sort of, you know, tide of migrant stuff is overplayed, um, is is over-exaggerated, but I think it is important to contextualize it in the context of the, the movement of people leaving Venezuela. It is the largest... Um, movement of people in the history of latin america which is which is taking place i mean 15 to 20 percent of the standing population of venezuela have now left that country over the course of the last two years so one in five people have left that country goodness me what kind of impact is that having on daily life in venezuela well i mean lots of really specific um you know almost economic impact so not enough people to do certain jobs obviously as you can imagine the first people to leave were the people who were you know had uh, degrees engineers doctors all those kinds of things so that has a, a massive day-to-day actual tangible um effect uh on on society but what i what i noted when i was last there not so long ago was a real deep sadness in the country as well like almost anybody you you would speak to would start telling a story and then they'd, they'd say my uncle you know brackets who's no longer here who's currently in chile or or my daughter, who uh, who's in who's in Bogota because she had to leave because she was worried about her daughter, etc. So there's like real uh, notable absences in the in the immediate personal histories of of absolutely everybody there, which which also you know tonally affects the country, not just in terms of the the nuts and bolts of the thing. Mm. Oh, what 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 is it exactly that those people who are leaving are fearful of? What, what, what's happening in their daily lives that's that's driving them out of Venezuela? I mean, I think it's twofold. By the time you get to one in five people leaving Venezuela, it's not necessarily that they're scared of, you know, repression or things like that. It's the fact that 93, 94% of people live in poverty in that country. The fact that you can't get, um, you know, any uh, uh, the standard daily things that you would need to get through a day. The fact that you're fed up with um, having 60, 70, 80 power cuts a day. The fact that you're your aunt who uh, is has been in hospital for six months um you know that you can't get access to the drugs that that she needs so i, th- I think in large part it's uh it they're kind of economic choices that people are making uh, to leave and and go elsewhere and for sure you know the, the wealthier contingent i mean i remember in you know in the early 2000s you would speak to venezuelans abroad and they would be complaining about uh, yeah, about chavez um, and Chavismo, but at that particular point in time, it was the newspaper owners, people who had hotel chains. So it was the wealthy elite that were leaving. But now you're getting into into a situation where anybody who can possibly get to a border and take their chances with with their kids and you know cut off their hair and uh, and sell it at the, the border with Colombia for for a small amount of change to try and get on your way. So the weakest of the weak now are trying to just get out because they you know there's um, for them to do. Well, I mean, that's, that's quite astonishing. Um, as you mentioned, John, Guedo, uh, in talks with Boris Johnson in London, um, at the same time those raids on his opposition offices in Venezuela took place. What do we know of those talks with Boris Johnson and, and, and what is or isn't likely to come of them? Well, everything I see and hear from Guaido's talks with uh, with international partners, if you like, in inverted commas, as you said, right at the top of the... Uh, you know the top of this um, section that you know supported by by 50 people but then again you know he's supported by 50 countries but still supported by about 100 as well which is not really often represented in the international media but essentially it's all about courting support so what 
Guaido and the U.S. are, are consistently keen on is to keep the story in the international news and continue to garner pressure, international pressure, uh, to be put on Venezuela, obviously in particular in the context of you know, of economics and, and sanctions and, and the like, which absolutely definitely has, you know, a big a big effect on, on Venezuela. In, increasingly also there's talk about um, limiting or sanctioning gold exports from Venezuela as well because obviously the, the economy is in such freefall with hyperinflation at such crazy rates that um, transactional processes are taking different forms and gold is, I mean, there's more than a little bit of anecdotal evidence which suggests that actually the, the corruption in, in amongst the ruling party and the powers that be are actually trying to export a lot of uh, finance in gold to various other countries that they still have, mm. have alliances with. So just to keep that in the news and then try and twist people's arms to not participate in that. Also worth saying, though, that in terms of the sanctions that are hitting Venezuela, they're, they're not just hitting Venezuela. I mean, Venezuela has supplied cheap oil to various parts of Latin America, to various allies in the Caribbean for a long time. And for instance, the recent um, demonstrations and riots that, that Haiti's seen, another country with a lot of different problems, has been to do with the fact that suddenly cheap oil that Venezuela was supplying them is no longer allowed to be sent to them. So it's massively affecting their economy and their day-to-day -day as well. So the kind of the real domino effect of these sanctions, which is not just affecting, uh, you know, the person on the street in, in Caracas and as ever with, with sanctions that, you know, the, the powers that be, the people who have money in the war chests get around them in whatever way that they can. Mm. But the person on the street just trying to desperately to get through the day is a person who's, you know, slapped right right in the midriff with, with it all. Mm, yeah, and so the, the, the disparity between the two builds. Uh, uh, President uh, uh, Maduro will need the support of the Secret Service and the civil personnel that are working for his current government. Um, uh, as we mentioned, Secret Service agents raiding those offices. Um, is there any, any show of... None whatsoever. I mean, there's a little bit of moving around between some opposition petitions coming into the fold and occasionally the odd kind of defection, but we're definitely talking single figures. There's no groundswell of um, of movement across the area. It's also one of the reasons why Guadal has been front and centre about saying that any of the military who switch sides now, he's going to give amnesty to, because really there's a couple of things happening here. One is when Maduro, you know, Maduro is not... Uh, uh, the sharpest knife in the draw by, by some stretch of the imagination. But perhaps the one thing he did well when he came into power was that he elevated a lot of military into positions of power uh, and really gave them a leg up. So two things are happening there. One, they know that their positions of power and control are down to Maduro. And if there's a change of government or a change of power, they're going to lose those. But also, same token, if a different administration comes in, you know, um, sweeping everything in front of it, not just that they're going to lose their positions, but also, in all probability, that they're going to be uh, tried, um, charged with various uh, with various crimes and misdemeanors, and be brought to the uh, that are be brought to the fore, and probably going to be doing a hell of a lot of jail time as well. Mm. So, whether it's that you know, they're positive choices that these people are making to stay with Maduro, or just that they're scared of what might happen if he if he loses power, it all adds up to the same thing, which is that. The people that count in in Venezuela, um, the, essentially, the, you know, the military are still absolutely right behind Maduro. And until that changes, I mean, I think two things. One, until that changes and until China and Russia uh, move their support from Maduro, which is essentially propping him up economically, 
um, you know, nothing significant is going to is going to change mm. on the ground. Uh, what, what are the chances of support from China and Russia shifting? It's one of those really interesting things. I think the more that the U.S. shouts about the Maduro regime, the less likely that China and Russia are to uh, to stop backing him. Mm. It's all counterproductive. The U.S. is very public, you know, loud position vis-a-vis Maduro. If they just allowed Latin American political cycles to go their own way, then by the same token, China and Russia wouldn't be as um, as fervent in their in their presence there as as they currently are. Also, interesting parallels with what took place in in, in Syria because uh, there are now Russian boots in the ground. As of about eight, ten months uh, ago, uh, when in particular Trump was making, you know, markedly bellicose noises about invading Venezuela and sending troops in and and the like, uh, in the same way as uh, what Putin did in, in Syria, he sent Russian military and individuals into Venezuela because he knew that, you know, it's, if, if the US military kill a few Venezuelans, that's not a significant international issue. But if they do kill, whether it's accident or by design, some Russian military personnel, you know, that's a gamble that nobody wants. Um, so that's a way of kind of offsetting any particular military action from the US regime also. Uh, John Lebusier, thank you very much for now in Latin America for us. We'll return to that story uh, as it continues. Just got half past four. Alongside Latin American correspondent, if you want to follow the US election cycle or any other international election cycle, which may be of interest, we also take requests on Spotify. We're also on, I've forgotten it, what is it? Uh, Dropbox. No, not Dropbox, on Spotify. Spotify? Are we on Dropbox as well? Are we? Or is it SoundCloud? Wait, no, Spotify. Look, just forget all that stuff. Just Spotify. Follow Speakeasy Politics on Spotify. Say the name again. How hard can it be? Say the name again. Bye.